Welcome to Sports Buds Hockey Podcast, where we discuss the ins and outs of all things hockey and where everyone's perspective is appreciated. Please welcome your hosts, Merrick Zemp and Colin Simpson. Hello and welcome to Sports Buds Hockey Podcast, episode number seven. My name is Merrick Zemp and with me as always is Colin Simpson. How are you doing today, Sims? Doing good, Mav. What about yourself? Fantastic. Beautiful day, a little bit of snow, a little bit of hail around here today. So uh, getting to experience all the seasons in one day, which is always nice. Yourself, what's the weather like there? Yeah, we got dumped on by a bunch of snow. Looks like we're going to be real cold for the next week. So back to normal winter weather. Yeah, I'm I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm about done with winter. I could, I could go a little bit less time than this, but... Some years you get it, some years you get it. Well, you guys always get the Chinooks and stuff that actually help out a little bit with that. Yeah, that's usually nice. Gives you a little bit of a relief in the middle of the winter once in a while, but it's been pretty mild winter here. So, But, you know, you got hockey at least to get you through it. That's it. So today we're trying something different. We're going to do a weekly recap. Just sort of looking back at the all the teams uh, in the last week. Any big big news, big things, a little bit of talk about the games. And again, usually what we like to do is just focus on the Canadian teams and go from there. So uh, even though they're not our favorite team, I think the biggest news of the week came from Vancouver. So what do you think about uh, all the news coming out of Vancouver today or this week? Yeah, I'll be honest. I didn't really actually know about it as quickly as other people did until the last, like, I don't know, four or five days I've been seeing it pop up on every bit of news media, all, all over Facebook, all over different social medias. Uh, and then I started to kind of pay a little more attention to see what was actually happening and what kind of watching what was happening behind the scenes. Uh, obviously, Boudreau is a very popular coach, has been everywhere he's gone, has been pretty successful. And to see what appears to be him being treated poorly, don't get me wrong, every coach is kind of the scapegoat these days. You don't really blame players anymore, and the GM's not going to blame himself and get rid of himself. Uh, and it takes a lot for a GM to be kicked out, usually like five or six years of work, giving them that time. But uh, it does appear that Boudreaux walked into a situation that wasn't good to start. And unfortunately, you know, what, what less than a year later, he's on his way back out. 14 months. Yep. Tough to see. Yeah, it's tough to see. Well, and I mean, the thing is, with this situation, what happened, uh, what I've read about, what I've seen is that the, the coach was hired first. They they let Trent, uh, Trent Green go last year and brought in Bruce uh, fairly quickly after that and then replaced the president of hockey operations, the GM. They did all that afterwards. So I think when you take over a team, you kind of want to put your mark on it anyway. So it, it probably was spelling disaster for Bruce no matter what they did. And I mean, you could say that they're underperforming, but I don't think they're, I don't think anybody was picking them to come out of the West or anything like that. Yeah. I don't, I, I wouldn't call them underperforming at all. I think just the difference is, you know, in how they're performing. I mean, nobody is expecting to be higher in the stands, but you don't expect to see the chaos, the drama that's coming out of a professional hockey team. Uh, and you're definitely right. Anytime that you see a new management come in more often than not, the coach has got his days numbered. Just like if you're an assistant coach and your coach, head coach goes, you go as a group and you want to make sure that, you know, the style that you came in and the style that you used to, you know, building a team with is what the coach wants as well. Otherwise you have a disconnect, right? So definitely could see it happening. It just seems like it was handled poorly. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, there was talk about them interviewing talk at 
weeks before and everybody seemed to know about it. And yeah, it was really, uh, really a tough one. And I mean, it just, the whole organization seems to be struggling with that. And like you said, just the chaos involved, the, the play on the ice, some of the antics, the things that were going on there. And then, you know, the, the fact that their captain is unsigned, Bo Horvat. I mean, there's talk now that he may have played his last home game. I mean, this is your, your, your guy, your go-to guy, your captain, the, the leader on the ice, and and no sign for him, no anything. Which is surprising because it seems like he's having finally have like a breakout year. You know what I mean? He, he was talked about a lot coming out of juniors. I thought he was okay. He was a decent two-way centerman. Nothing special. And he seems to be coming into his own now. And to be talking about getting rid of him, not only due to his skill level, but then he's also your captain. Seems a little crazy, like. And I, I mean, you're right. It's the accumulation of everything kind of happening around there. Because I think I think they took a bit of a bad rap, the team, on the fact that they were talking to talk it earlier and the fact that it got out there. They can't control all the leaks. I get that. But it seems like they weren't being transparent to not only their fans, but to the other players and to Bruce. So it's not a problem that you're going out and looking for someone else. But it seems like there was some transparency lost in the in the mix. And I think that's what caused a little more trouble. And then you add all the other, like you said, antics. You watch JT Miller going mental sometimes on guys on the on the bench, and he's screaming at guys on the ice. And you're like, are you a team or not? Yeah. Like I get things go bad, but it seems like everything is going bad in every part of the organization at once. Well, and I mean, even with the coaching thing, I mean, you you bring in an interim guy, you say, Bruce, look, it's not working, we're done. Bring in an interim guy for the next two weeks or a month till you get Talkit signed or someone else, and then you just settle it. But yeah, to just kind of leave him lingering and just hanging on the vine there for a while really was a a tough call. And then with your captain, yeah, I mean, the fact is he may have played his way out just because of the numbers that he can command now. I mean, everything I've read says that according to Vancouver, he's a six million dollar guy, and according to his like thirty or twenty nine thirty goals this year already. He's an $8 million guy. So where do you get in the middle, right? I mean, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent, and there's going to be guys looking for him. So he'll get the money somewhere. Oh, definitely. And I don't blame him in that scenario if he doesn't want to re-sign. And he's definitely got some great trade value. So with him going out, though, and everything going on, is there any sort of bright light possible for the Canucks? Or Well, even that, I mean uh, – They've signed Kuzmenko, Andre Kuzmenko from the KHL. Came in, he's making 950000 Great value contract. Delivering, he's got 20-plus goals, 20-plus assists, playing good minutes, all that stuff. He signed an extension this week. He signed two years, $5.5 million a year after one season, after half of one season. And he's got like 20 goals so far, but that puts him on pace for what? Maybe 35, 38. Yep. That seems a lot. It's only one year and, and he's come from a different league, which means he hasn't proven himself at this level or in this league. Um, One of the hard parts now, of the KHL is that they don't play as many games. So yeah, the first 45 games is the exact season he's used to doing well, you know, playing up to his potential and whatever else we're halfway. I mean, if they had the playoffs, it wouldn't even be halfway, but like, yeah, we're we're just over half for those guys. I'm sure they're in the 40, 48, 49 range like everybody is. So, yeah, just over half. He might be winding down. I mean, you might find that all of a sudden the rest of the way he gets five, six goals, and that's it. 
And there's just no guarantee that translates from year to year. Like I look at a guy like Mangiapane from my team. Had a great year last year, scored like 35 goals. Everyone was predicting he's going to hit 40, 45, going to play with Huberto, going to get more chances on the power play, all these things. And he's on pace for 17. And he got given 5.8 a year, so not that far off Kuzmenko's contract. And now you got to think to yourself, are we paying these guys just way too much, too early, without seeing multi-year progression? It's just a little risky game. Or is that kind of where the bar is now? Does a 20-ish goal scorer now make $5 million a year? I mean, the other thing that scares me about Kuzmenko is his shooting percentage right now is almost 25. I mean, nobody shoots 25% year after year. So if that regresses down to even 20, and he's got five goals less already, Right, that puts him at maybe pushing if he continues this pace, maybe pushing thirty. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I know. Oh well, thinking about the Canucks is just too depressing. And we might have to move on. <laughs> really, it is. Well, since we already brought up the Flames, let's skip over them and talk about the Oilers next. So, only one game this week: a absolute snooze fest against Columbus, two-two that went into overtime and they lost in overtime, uh, coming in on a six-game winning streak to lose to the worst team in the league uh, was a little disappointing for sure. Yeah, definitely games you don't want to drop. I get you have to have a loss somewhere in a streak, and I find that it does seem to happen this way. You do go on a winning streak, and then you end up losing to a really bad team rather than losing to, like, the Bruins and be like, oh, well, it came to an end at the Bruins. But, like, like, streaks always seem to die with some of the worst teams. I don't know if that's just because you get too hyped about how well you're playing and then all of a sudden you overlook a team like Columbus and then they end up winning. I don't know. Well, that was their only game this week. They played Saturday night and then Wednesday had a big break. And now they play again this uh, this Saturday. So just big breaks this week too. So that could be part of it as well. But uh, pretty quiet on that. Evander Kane was out. Uh, he'll be back again tonight and then go from there. But uh, we'll see. Tonight they play Chicago. Again, should be a bottom of the barrel team right at the bottom of the standings. We'll see what happens. So uh, how about the Flames? How'd they do this week? Yeah, speaking of bottom of the barrel, Chicago, they came out and thumped the Flames. Yeah, good effort out there, that's for sure. So yeah, that was a they had a pretty good week, don't get me wrong. But that was obviously a bit of a blip on the old resume. Uh, it was kind of an embarrassing game for sure. They did, however, beat the Kraken, which was huge. Obviously, Kraken are somehow, God forbid, somehow in first place. They're still hanging in there. We keep waiting for them to fade, but they won't. Yeah, just kind of crazy. But they did beat them, so that's big. They are still sitting quite a bit on the outside here. Not too, too far behind, but some of the teams ahead of them are still constantly going on streaks, and they're not putting together too many big runs. Uh, But the big news in Calgary obviously wasn't that. It was the return of Johnny Goodrow. And so that was a big thing. A lot of buzz here in Calgary where I'm at. Um, A lot of people were excited to either go cheer him on or go boo him. Uh, obviously, if I don't know if you watched the clips, it was actually pretty funny in the in their warm-up. So Johnny was skating around doing their warm-up, and his teammates were all booing him every time he touched the puck, trying to get him used to ready for the night coming. So I thought that was pretty funny. And then, uh, yeah, he got out there. They did a pretty cool little tribute for him. You know, as much as I hate the way he left, I think he deserved the tribute. He did do a lot for Calgary. Uh, I'm never going to be happy with how he left. But, you know, 
if he stayed, he could have been one of the top scorers ever for Calgary. So you can't ignore his accomplishments accomplishments on the ice. But, you know, it was a pretty good game, back and forth. Uh, he, he started out pretty well. He got a few points. Uh, game was tied, went to overtime. I think it was. or Yeah, I think it was overtime. Yeah, it was three on three. And then it was kind of fitting, though, because Johnny actually fell over, gave up the puck, and that's how we went down and scored. So I think it left the fans with a good good taste in their mouth on the way out. Just a, a memory of exactly what happened, you know, many, many times when he was leading a rush down the down the ice for the Flames. No, so that was that was their week. Awesome. Uh, well, why don't we keep uh, keep heading out west uh, or out east, I should say. Uh, let's go with the uh, the Jets. Uh, they had a pretty decent week, nothing too crazy, but they they beat the Flyers, but lost a couple couple close ones to the Predators and Sabers. Still rolling. These guys are still near the top of the uh, the Central Division um, and the top of the conference, so still carrying on. Yeah, the Predators won. Obviously, hurts a little. Not a very strong team, but losing to the Sabers, I swear, this year it doesn't seem to matter. This is the first time ever they've been talking about being buyers at a trade deadline in I feel like twenty years. So they're definitely not a team to scoff at. So it's not really that bad a loss. No, and you know what? We talked about that before that we thought it could be something that they would show up for, and and even in the playoffs and that part of stuff. But um, the Sabers are great knocking at the door in the East, so that may be something that uh, nobody's going to want to face them in the first round. Uh, we'll go from there. We'll head on to the Leafs. How'd they do this week? Uh, looks like they lost to the Canadians and the Senators, but then they beat the Islanders and the Rangers. So it's kind of lost to a couple Canadian teams, and then went out east and couldn't take on the new york teams but uh so you never want to lose to the canadian teams if you're another canadian team especially if you're a Leafs fan losing to the canadians and senators hurts let's badly let's be realistic they did not lose to the canadians they lost to the laval rocket because it was i think nine call-ups or something for that game oh really yeah no i didn't catch that wow yeah that's that hurts more but unfortunately that's not the worst news that happened for them this week Austin Matthews, unfortunately, did get injured and will be out, I think, minimum of six games of the knee sprain. Yeah. So I think he's out for the All-Star game. I'm not sure. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, that'll be next week. Uh, there's already people talking about how in Leafland, well, if he's out, then we should send a second Leaf and do that. But uh, the NHL decided that instead of that, maybe Barkov should be there because it is in Florida after all, and we should get another guy there. And So they replaced Matthews with Barkov instead of Nylander. Yeah, and I get the reason why they thought a second Leaf should go. There's no doubt. But let's be honest, the All-Star game is just about the fans and the people in the local city and the excitement that it brings. And it's more important to have another guy who's actually from there oh. than to just have a Leaf who maybe didn't deserve to be there because obviously Matthews was picked. So yeah. I, I'm I, okay with that. Decision. The hard part with it is uh, they do some some by actual – by merit, I guess, if you want to call it that. But uh, the other part is it's voted in, right? So the the popular guys go whether they're having a career season or whether they're not at all. I mean, so it's always a bit of a challenge that way to get everybody in. Um, speaking of the Canadians, uh, obviously they did beat the the Leafs this this week. Uh, lost to the Bruins and then lost again to the Red Wings in overtime. Uh, good game with the Red Wings, but uh, I think they got pummeled a little bit by the Bruins. But so does everybody, so there's no shame in that. Uh, but again, bigger news out of Montreal. What was that, Sims? Yeah, it looks like another injury, unfortunately. And this one's a little bit worse for the Canadians fans than Austin was for the Leafs fans because he's only out for six games, maybe. 
Caulfield's has to be shut down for the whole season with another uh, shoulder injury. Apparently something he's had before in the past. Was talk about it had popped out a few times already this season. So it's a little bit scary on understanding whether this could be something more long-term versus, you know, they are talking obviously surgery, which is going to help, but he's pretty young to be getting shoulder surgery. Yeah, but he's also pretty small. I mean, you know he's getting popped pretty hard every once in a while and stuff, right? So uh, it can be can be a bit of a challenge that way, having to deal with it. Yeah, I'm definitely hoping that a uh, young, talented player like that doesn't have any issues shortening his career because of this. Because even though he's not on the team I really like, he's definitely enjoyable to watch. And anytime you get to watch these young talents go, you know, as if you're a fan of the NHL more than you are just a fan of a team, it's really good to see these guys on the ice and not uh, hampered by some of these injuries. Oh, yeah, they're exciting. I mean, that's the thing, even Caulfield, like he's a small little guy, but man, he just he gets there. He scores big goals. He's always in the mix. So, yeah, it's a big thing. Uh, next up is the Senators. What was their week like? Surprisingly, they beat teams. So, I guess it was just a shocking week for them. Uh, they beat the Islanders and the Leafs. Uh, but... Yeah, surprise, surprise, yet another Canadian team battling the injury bug. And, you know, one of their best players, Josh Norris, is out for the season. Uh, what was his injury? I believe he was a knee as well. I'd have to look another up. I'm knee. pretty sure it's a knee injury. Yeah, so he's done for the season, so that doesn't help him. Now, don't get me wrong. Compared to the Leafs, there's more matter in the uh, Austin one because it could affect their season, whereas I don't believe whether Norris is in or out. Uh, it's really going to matter. They're not going to the playoffs. If anything, it maybe puts you one step closer to Bedard. Uh, so maybe in the sense, it could be the best thing for you, unfortunately, to say that for an injury, but it's possible. Definitely. They do keep seeming like they're winning. I mean, it's uh, I don't follow the, the Senators and stuff as much. I don't you know pay attention to every score, that kind of thing. But it does seem like they they keep winning games and they're moving along. But then you look at the standings again and they're still – 15th overall in the East or 14th overall in the East and like just barely ahead of, uh, ahead of Montreal or just behind Montreal or right. I mean, everybody's ahead of Columbus, of course, but, uh, but other than that, they're just still right at the bottom. They're not making up any ground. And again, we've talked about before the, the three point system with overtime games and stuff like that is it's impossible. If you're back by six points, it just, you can never really make it up if there's two teams in the way. Yeah, you literally need a couple teams to just kind of completely drop off, and it just doesn't happen that much. Because as you're saying, even the Ottawa Senators, as they're plugging along, still manage to grab a win or two here and there. So if the teams you're chasing, who are better, grab two of the three wins, you just can't climb back. So, you know. Well, and the Oilers, um, you know, just to bring them up because we should, uh, the Oilers are only a few points back of first now in the in the division and whatever, based on a six game winning streak. Colorado, same thing. Just did a, I think they're at five or six games. Theirs might still be going. I'm not sure. Uh, same kind of thing. Five, six games, you know, winning them in a row. And it seems like every team has had that this season, except the Flames. But until that happens, you can't really get any distance. You can't, you're always floating around that three points ahead of the wild card or five points ahead of being out of the playoffs. Like it's tough. Yeah, it seems like a short distance, but it seems to take a, a lot to just catch back up those six points, even though you're like, well, that's only three games, but it just seems to be that every team wins enough to keep that a big distance, but is what it is, I guess. 
Uh, anything else you've heard this week, Sims? Um, any big news or just something on the radar or kind of have a look at? I did notice the other day, actually, a quick story about uh, Dylan Larkin reportedly turning down an eight-year, $8 million contract for the Wings. Uh, I was a little surprised by that. I'd never been hearing rumors about Larkin leaving the Wings, at least not lately. There was some couple of years back. But I thought since Stevie's there and he seems to be starting to build some good young talent, I kind of felt like he was going to be treated as a cornerstone. And don't get me wrong, obviously, Eisman's thinking that he's worth keeping around if he actually has given this offer. You know, you don't just give out eight years to some person you don't plan to build around. You don't trust. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know if that's with all the contracts coming up and what I think we're going to be seeing for caps, I don't know if that's enough for him or that's a lot for him to lock in for for eight years when everybody else could be making 10, 12, 13. So I'm not shocked that he didn't take it. But I don't know if he's having big enough career years to warrant turning that down. Well, it's a real balance, too, because like Eiserman's trying to lock in uh, a dedicated, top-quality piece for his team that he wants for the next eight years at a good price. And realistically, at a price that will be the comparables for others on that team. When you start signing Cider in a few years, when you start signing any of these other guys... You want to have somebody in place that is kind of your your cap. Like this is your upper end. This is where where you want to be. I mean, they talked about the same thing in Nashville. When they're signing these guys to extensions, if you've got a guy there that is already head and shoulders your best player, you can't completely outweigh that guy. You can't go twice the price on him. You can't do that stuff. So by setting a bar and kind of leveling it off, then it makes it so nobody else is in theory, supposed to go above that, right? It kind of it kind of puts that upper end on it. Correct. I just it's I guess I just struggle seeing the fact that you know if I always comes back to me looking at my team because I focus so much on their salaries and stuff like that. But if I'm comparing them to the close to six million for Mangiapani, the six million dollars for Milan Lucic, the the money that we're spending for that level players, and for me to think that for two million more I could have Dylan Larkin for eight years. I think any team would be jumping at that. So I just don't know if that's enough for him to take the hometown type discount where he couldn't then go to the market and say, you know, who's not going to give me nine, nine and a half for a guy with that kind of speed and talent. Why would you pay nine and a half when you could pay just six for Lucic? Right. I mean, that's now you can add another $3 million player and get the same value with two two people. Technically, Milan Luchas is two Dylan Larkins, so it is a pretty good deal. <laughs> yeah, physically, of course. <laughs> Just it's, yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's that's about all I've seen so far, really, this week. It's been a pretty quiet week going into the All-Star game, I think. So there hasn't been a lot. I think during the break, there might be a little bit of action. Sometimes the GMs get together during this time. We might see a little bit more coming out next week. Yeah, no, everybody's got a couple of games left, I think, like just uh, maybe tonight, tomorrow, and I think that's it, and then you roll into the a week off. So you're right, I think we'll see a little bit of that coming up. Um, so next week we'll do uh, – I'd like to do a little recap ahead of the All-Star game, and what we'll do is we'll go through – I'm hearing all sorts of rumors and seeing a few posts about uh, the new events and some of the new decisions and things they're trying to do because it's Florida for the All-Star game. So – uh, it'll be interesting to see some of the new skill events. We'll talk about those, talk about the teams, uh, maybe even make some fun predictions on those, and then go from there. Anything else for that, Sims? 
Nope. Uh, what, do they got a beach volleyball event now? Or what do we got going on in Florida? Oh, the best you, golf? you don't want to ruin the surprise, but golfing is involved. So don't uh, don't get too far <laughs> ahead of it. Uh, so- definitely looking forward. I haven't watched a uh, All-Star game in a while. So I think this year I will actually take in the festivities and see what's going on. You know what? It's... Uh- it's absolutely not uh, not a, a standard hockey game by any stretch, but I like the fact that there's a little competition when they play each other. I like that stuff. makes it a little bit better. There's a little more pride on the line than there used to be, uh, so that part's good. And uh, some of the events, it is kind of interesting to see. So we'll see. We'll talk about the new events and see if those have, well, really any relevance at all about hockey. We'll go from there. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. All right, so uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, this current episode and all previous episodes of Sports Buds Hockey Podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Uh, or you can check us out at www.sportsbuds.com. Uh, as always, it's been a lot of fun. I like the weekly recap style. I think that'll be fun to do. Um, please leave a comment. Let us know. Uh, we've also got a Facebook group there too. So uh, join up with the Facebook group and and let us know. What we right? What we get wrong? And, uh, and of course, always let us know why, because we want to know why we're wrong, not just that we're wrong. So thank you, Sips. Yeah, thanks, Matt. It was good to get together. See you next week. Absolutely. Have a great day. Bye.